Hello and welcome to The Art Kid Speaks, a podcast by Radar. I am Annie Watkins, an interdisciplinary artist and current student at Central St. Martins in London, and I will be your host for this show. We will be exploring the role of the artist or art kid in our quickly changing world and talking with different amazing guests about their experiences of life and work during times of isolation and in amongst the many unknowns. So thanks for joining us here for this conversation today and the many conversations to follow. I hope you enjoy it. Today I'm speaking with Liselotte Ostblom, a jazz musician from Sweden who is currently based in London. She is someone whose friendship I greatly value, so full of wisdom and encouragement, which always seems to come in the moment when I need that most. And I'm sure anyone who is a friend of hers will know this to be true also. We talk a little bit about collaboration, creating and producing during lockdown, and on not giving up on speaking up about social justice issues. So without further ado, here she is and I I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, my name is Liselotte Östblom. I'm 28 years old and I'm an orchid. Thank you so much, Liselotte, for coming on to the podcast today. Such an honour yeah, to thank have you. you here. Firstly, could you just give us a bit of a background as to who you are and to what your art form is. Well, I'm a Swede in London since four years. I came here to do a degree in jazz vocals. So I'm a vocalist, I'm a musician, composer, and uh, have started to do more producing, both electronic producing music, but also producing for other artists and collaborating with other artists. So I suppose musician, overall term, but also improviser, producer, beat maker. I rap, I scat, a little bit of everything. Yes, Lisa Lott is a super talented, multi-talented individual and has so much depth and knowledge and wisdom as well. Thinking about this last year... How has your practice changed or what have been some changes to creating in isolation? So maybe comparing to what it was like before that. Yeah, this year has really been, as you're saying, creating in isolation on one hand, but the other side of the coin, which have been a profound change, is the collaboration between people who wouldn't normally collaborate because there's time at our hands and it's like the whole world has really opened up. So I'm collaborating with Gregory Hutchinson, who's a drummer in Rome. I've been collaborating with Clint Breeze, who is a drummer in the US. And then locally here in London, I collaborate with people, but we're collaborating over Zoom, even though we're in the same city. So uh, everything has really changed uh, workflow wise and just the value of community, the, the global internet creative community, really. For you, has that developed primarily through social media networking, those collaborations, or has it been in other ways as well? No, I, I attribute a lot to social media. Instagram, SoundCloud as well still works, but definitely the, the connections made on Instagram and, you know, going to work 
uh, is to upload things on stories and to to more showcase what I do on Instagram. So that has opened up uh, a lot of doors, some doors that I, I can't really see the results of yet, but I'm, I'm feeling very inspired by social media, strangely enough, uh, and the, the share the shareability of of the art there. People say, oh, create content for social media, but I dislike that term because it's not content to consumer. It's people who are following you. They're, they're not consumers of your content. <laughs> they're participants in, in your art and your journey. So yeah, I started a year ago in March. I was in New York and I was going to be there for the whole month to just get inspired and go, you know, go to concerts, see my friends who are there. And that trip was shortened to three days. I was just there in, in the switch. So dramatically, I found myself on a plane back to Stockholm, uh, my hometown, and I ended up in Stockholm for three or four months without even my computer. I didn't bring any gear to New York because I was going to be, you know, on, on holiday for the, for th- uh, three, four weeks. So I came to Sweden and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really in isolation now. Not only physically, we are locked up in my house with my core family of, you know, the old, the old golden days, mom and dad, my two brothers, we haven't been together like this for years. So that social setting and then not seeing the, the people in Sweden that you would normally see when, when I come home for visits. So isolating there, but also artistically, I did not have my gear that I would normally create with or anything like that. So the first, um, the first two or three months, I kind of saw that as a sign to not create and not try to push or work or try to be efficient in any way. Uh, the the old path that I was on, uh, January February, composing and you know working on new music. I just stopped that completely and I was out walking, surviving, being, you know, being grateful that I am alive and I am with my family, I am safe. Yeah, walking in the green parks and listening to to music. I was just absorbing and absorbing nature, absorbing the changes in nature, the trees that started to blossom when spring came. It was a very special time now that I look back on it because it all felt so long, but it was also like one day because everything looked the same. So there's no distinction really. Yeah, that was a beautiful time. I can't believe it was a year ago that you went to New York now because I yeah. was housing for you whilst you were in Sweden. It was just crazy to see how much has developed and changed in that time. But that's something I've really learned from you that there are seasons to creating, that it's not something you have to be doing consistently. There's like patterns and times of just sitting and absorbing and not making a lot and then times of being inspired and producing a lot of work yeah it it's to to really have that trust in your own brain in a way that your brain is processing things um maybe an intense moment of growth as in knowledge you know you can get a a mic drop wisdom uh, moment in such a podcast as this, but it might take, you know, two or three months for you to process that. And that doesn't come by just repeating the podcast and listening to it again and again and again. But 
things will start to grow as a seed kind of that has been planted in you. So definitely some seasons are nurturing. Some season is really to rest. You, you can't force uh, the tree to start producing fruit and just trust that, okay, I will produce the fruit when it's coming, but now is a season of, you know, getting more sun or getting more water or more uncomfortable times, um, which is you know, in, in the autumn for a tree, when you cut off branches and you, you do like a cleansing, <laughs> you do like a, or a spring cleanse, you know, maybe some branches need to be cut off. So that was what also has been significant for me, like July till October, I still wasn't really creating anything, but it was a lot of inner work, like inner, inner healing work, really, that caught up. And you need to take those cues also in the same discipline as we are consistent with wanting to be focused on the arts. Because our spirit, our soul, our bodies, they're all intertwined. And for me, it's super important to have a healed space that I'm creating from so that the art kind of flows from a revelation of some kind. I might be speaking in abstract terms, but it's like you can't really preach what you practice or sing what you haven't experienced or, you know, you have to live. You have really have to live. As an artist, you have to live and observe and embody life, uh, the human experience. Because without that, the I believe that the art will just stay so disconnected and be, it might become just a layer of something but you want this layer to penetrate through and and resonate with your listener or your your viewer or your audience that's what it's for the artist is providing that platform for the audience to experience something brings to mind this picture of putting oil on your skin or something really thick like grease that would just sit on top versus putting a deeply moisturizing cream on that would sink in and give nutrients to your skin or whatever it is. So it's like this lived experience of letting life really saturate and letting that then come out of you in your work rather than just making, 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 making out of like a dry yeah. kind of space. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, there is no pressure to put on a costume that we don't feel either ready to wear or kind of the role of the responsibility of people in your profession or in your field. Uh, at the beginning of the lockdown, you know, you just start to notice, wow, ev oh, every musician is doing live streams. Oh my God, everybody's creating on Instagram, doing small contents. Oh my God, everybody seems to be planning their next release. Everybody, da, 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 da. And you can really get stressed out by that. I don't know what that looks like in the world of yeah, visual arts or f for you, Annie, with your peers and colleagues. But to in that space, actually, what is my desire for this time and I just felt a great joy to not having to plan for a performance or to think about the future that actually liberated some real in the moment in the in the daily space just to be open to whatever would come for that day and uh, I don't think I've ever experienced that 
before, like since I was a, a little girl, you know, when when the summer days, they never end and you're just in this kind of playful space. So I kind of entered that a little bit and it was almost like I don't want it to, to go. But then, of course, reality is still here and purpose is still beating and you still have things to, to do and move forward. And so I was like, okay, actually, I can't hide in Sweden no more. Flights have opened up to the UK. I need to fly back now. I'm scared what that would do, but I'll fly back. So in July last year, then I went back to London to just kind of see what it would be like to come back again. And maybe because of Brexit also. But uh, (laughs) uh, I needed to sit at least five weeks in this uh, country to um, to get my Brexit days in, in order, get my ducks in, in the row and come back to the flat and stuff. But I had not planned, but it was like, wow, four or five months of not creating. And then it was like an intense boom revelation of just, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I've been having inside of me. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to let it out. So yeah, I started producing my project there. Just me and the computer with my sound, my sound equipment and things like that. And realized that actually there's a lot that's been going on during these five months that I I had no idea that this experience was penetrating my being so much and that the art that came out was just flowing. It it was like a constant flow those first two weeks of the the self-isolation in the flat in London. So very special, a good lesson to be learned from from taking a step back and then coming back. I think it was a similar experience for me in a way of going home and it feeling like going back to this childlike space of just being in my house and making whatever I wanted to make. And, you know, just like fun, playful things that I wouldn't really have made if I was in London in an art school. So it kind of gave me permission to explore things that maybe I intrinsically wanted to explore, but didn't because of the space I was in. And it kind of did give freedom to explore those things or just a different kind of breathing space. But it was also quite a slow process. I didn't feel like I had to produce and produce. It was just a slow, this is what I feel like doing today. And yeah, I'm just going to go on a walk today and go down to the beach and not do much else. And it was just like a really freeing time and a really special time. And since that point, coming to the States, I've been more inspired to make work that seems or feels more Mm. serious in a way, but is at the same time fun to me. That's a beautiful image of the breathing space, as you said, because... Breath is so connected to life, right? It's, it is the last thing that leaves our body when we die. And the first things that comes, you know, as we come into this world, it's the breath and the scream. So <sighs> that just happens slowly in a way and naturally. And when we're forced in our breathing or when literally this year, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, Black Lives Matter movement, the idea of breath and connecting that with life, but also going from social justice struggle and the important issue, connecting that with creativity, our breath and our rhythm, maybe that's just what you needed and what I needed to come into a bit of, you know, we can trust that we, our breath will come, we just need to not hold it. 
we or be be stressed about breathing breathing is as natural as breathing you know it's it's what the body wants to do and what we want to be doing <laughs> existing and and breathing and maybe creating as an artist in that free space it's not um predetermined what you know okay this came out and now something comes in i observe i a smell you know it, we we can be inspired by literally anything right yeah i like that image of breathing in and taking in inspiration and then exhaling out an expression of something whether that's a movement or paint stroke or a a note it does take that inhale or that taking in that breathing in to be able to exhale and breathe out and create Mm. and speak and make yeah maybe as a singer that's you know (laughs) the breath is Without my breath, I can't produce anything. <laughs> but on the other hand, it, in in school or when you're constantly in a, in a place where it's sort of demanded that you have to exhale. So maybe already in the inhale, you're deciding, okay, what kind of smell do I need to be smelling here? What speed of the breath? Uh, how is it going to feel? And you're already kind of predetermining your, your experience and... I think that's detrimental to uh, to the artist. We need to let go of preconceived ideas really to tap into our gifts and our our calling, our own unique twist because that's something that's so connected with the now, I think. Now and not judging yourself and in yeah. that breathing in what comes up. What comes up if you haven't had anyone looking at you or any voice or any proof that you've been creating? What comes out then in that breath? And that might be something that's completely unfamiliar even to us, but it's familiar to like our spiritual sense because we're like, oh, this is who I've always been. I've always, this is me. I want to be more like this, more like my free child, (laughs) the art kid, you know? (laughs) It is true. I feel like... Being in an educational space that is this, because you are there to create and you are there to produce and have work critiqued and looked at and Mm. talked about, there is that kind of pressure to inhale certain things and exhale certain things. And in coming out of that space, you're able to just breathe whatever air you want to and take in whatever you want to and then to see what comes out. And I was just thinking as you were talking about sometimes crying and laughing comes without you being able to filter it. Sometimes yeah. you just need to laugh or need to cry. And sometimes there's things in us that need to come out that don't in certain settings where there's a pressure on us or eyes watching us. So I feel mm. like this time has given space to that as well for different people. Yeah, I've certainly experienced uh, emotions during this year that I... It's like a lifetime of emotions in one year. And for for many of us, it's been like a crash course in survival. And that is, for some people, you know, the daily the daily struggle. So we've been so f- fortunate in, in the West and in our... I'm talking at a general level now, but in being able to kind of do what what you want to do, you grow up safely, you're, you're not in a war, you're, you have education at your hands, society is structured that you can walk out on the street and you can be somewhat safe. All of these things have been taken for granted and also exposing during this last year that, yes, some people 
are not safe on the streets. And we were aware of that before. So it's it's no news, but I think it's been a wake up call for me to really face reality, what it is, a wake up call in so many aspects and that the way forward is not to go back. I don't want to go back to what's been because that structure because it is a structure of society that is really based upon some people are very privileged and a lot of people are not only taken advantage of, they are suffering and they are in need of liberation and that there is oppression. And those those structures, again, what's the artist's role in this? Are we Are we just here to entertain? Are we just here to go with these current streams? And how how are we supposed to be making money, really? What is the important takeaway for artists and audience during this time? Do we need the arts or do we not need it? Is it just an unnecessary cherry on top on a, on a melting iceberg anyways? Or uh, is it a necessary food for survival and we're not surviving? Mm open question yeah but that these are the kind of things that we really should be asking ourselves not so much oh when is live music coming back or when our museums opens again or why can't it be like before just have festivals and no i think i think a, a total new landscape is going to emerge and i definitely don't have any answer or prediction about the future but i'm willing to at least be engaging in these questions because they do determine what is the way forward and how will the artists survive or <laughs> get the output or the outlet for for the arts because the normal is fading and the new normal is something we don't know yet but it will just change we're already sensing that it's changing and more conversations and just being rooted in reality actually what what do we need <laughs> what are people missing what are the artists missing i don't miss the stress yeah the stress and the busyness of life but at the same time being busy is good because then you're <laughs> you are also engaging with people through the art in an embodied physical way where you you travel to people and you engage with them in the same space. I don't know how you've found that as an artist who might actually spend a lot of time in the cave anyways, and then you showcase. I feel like you have a lot more time in the cave. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, performance so much as in musicians. It might be sometimes only performances and no time in the cave. And we're like, we want the cave. Come yeah. back, cave. <laughs> <laughs> but you can actually manage kind of having a career just doing the other public aspect and not do the cave if you've reached a certain level. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to think about the differences within the different artistic fields and how some do have more time of being alone and hidden and creating in that space and then others are more in the limelight or seen by people. I think it will be interesting to see what we take forward from this time and what we leave behind in like going into that new normal, whatever that looks like. Because I think you're right, there is a lot that has come up in this time that can't be ignored or let go of, but needs to be addressed and folk like more of a focus being on those kind of things. Like, yeah, whether it's justice yeah. issues or issues of injustice um, or... 
we can't move forward and have it as this additional little separate thing like oh and we also need peace on earth you know no actually the injustice is not a separate thing for a separate group of people it's embedded within our whole structure and it is actually so embedded in the way society is ordered so if it's not kind of taken to its root like you can't just change the the top symptoms it's a whole self-examination a whole society societal examination that is going on and within companies and i'm encouraged when i see business leaders starting to address these uncomfortable questions but it's already too late like it's already too late really it's been institutionalized in horrendous ways we need a massive shaking up stirring revolution it, it really needs a massive shift not just uh, smooth the edges a little bit i guess artists are the ones who often bring that mm. into being don't they they are yeah. the, the ones who bring revolution and and change and who kind of visually or musically express like a new way that society can be maybe yeah i think that's like a good way to put it like expressing the way i don't necessarily think that it will be like you know like an arts new arts revolution or that it is the artists who bring the revolution yes artists we are we're often open and we are so sensitive to society or like by observing but it's almost like it's the artist who's putting words into what the society is feeling but in an effective way through the arts the artists we can we can reach people in a whole other way than a politician can with their speech amanda gorman with her poetry at the joe biden's speech this year it kind of shows that the need of poetry and of images to that says more about the complexity rather than this is my vision you know martin luther king i have a dream that that rhetoric that image still resonates with us today that has power to change so i think that's the artist is putting things in imagery and can juxtapose things and you can make a painting that is exploring a very delicate and abstract and shocking theme that normal speech would never be able to convey so it's more that artists are shining a torchlight on certain mm-hmm. things so that others are able to look at those things. Yeah. Forcing. Forcing the audience. Listen to this. You don't want to hear this, but listen to this. And yeah, that might be revolutionary in one sense and taking bravery to lift. I will never forget in, I think it was May 31st in 2019, I went and saw jazz pianist and composer Jason Moran at Wigmore Hall, solo piano concert, and that space is traditionally a very white space, a very old space, a very rich 
space. And because Jason is not only a kind of bridging the gap between jazz and the classical world or with people and with, with artists and musicians, he's done work with Joe and Jonas for, t- yeah, they had exhibition at Tate Modern and things like that. But I think the crowd that came was very diverse. And Jason is also, he's from, yeah, he's from Texas, I think, from Houston, Texas. He's an Afro-American. Like the, the crowd that came out to that concert is quite different than what would be in, in a normal concert there. And for Jason to address, the main points was like he was just saying very wise, selected words. When I look at pictures in this beautiful hall back in the in the backstage, there is no one that looks like me in those pictures. Imagine what that feels like to walk up on the stage and knowing that people have looked like me and played here, but they have been forgotten. They have not been, you know, remembered. And the silence, you like, you could hear a needle drop. It was, and then maybe someone started to applause. I don't know. It, it really taught me that you can use your power as an artist to also speak and address things that, yeah, address the elephant in the room and don't be afraid of doing so. Because that is like, that's the moment when liberation comes into that space and suddenly everything has sort of changed. Like you view it differently after that. And that was not through the music. That was through exactly just saying that thing. We need to be wise as artists. (laughs) We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility, absolutely, to our convictions and to bring the liberation wherever that is possible, if it's in performance or in the work that we do or in the collaboration or in a advocacy way and like being involved in booking or the conversations that take place, you know, behind the scenes on every level yeah on every level so in other words artists are essential to society yes (laughs) (laughs) we are society doesn't survive without the artists yeah that doesn't mean though that we can all be privileged and expect to be working full-time as an artist and be supported by either government grants or I think that is a privilege that I've been fortunate to have participated in that. I am so, so grateful, but I'm also very aware I can't take that for granted. If people don't want my art, would I still create? If I didn't get likes on Instagram, would I still create? And I realized, yeah, actually I would. I feel like it's it's like breathing for me. This is what needs to be, be done. But to make money out of it, that's like, that's another question. <laughs> that's another question. I'm not saying that quality is always related to the the money we know that commercial success. Different ways, I think, we need to be making a living. And I am, I'm teaching. I was teaching before, but I really think that teaching has become more important for musicians during this time and, and understanding that, hmm, actually teaching on the side is not something like a side hustle. It's intrinsic to what I do. It actually feeds into what the role of the artist is. Like we do outreach, we do projects or workshops and that extends beyond a paying concert audience. The, it's so much more. And this time is forcing that. So it's, it's interesting, interesting changes. With teaching, passing on what you have is such a beautiful thing to be able to do and like feeding other artists and letting the next generation kind of feed into you maybe. 
Yeah, because otherwise the artist doesn't survive. So with your collaboration, I know you have a lot of collaborations happening at the moment, but there's a particular one with Salome, a visual artist who is working with you on your next EP or your next album. Yeah, album or EP. It's a Desert Sea. That's what it's called. It's a project name in process and progress. It's a design artist collaboration, Salome Kapelin. She is a fashion designer and yeah, visual artists. And I do the music. I do some sounds also. But then there's clothes. And as a musician, as an artist, you do photos, you have videos, you do performances. So it's a full-on embodied really experience so that even the clothes have my songs printed on them the message not only the lyrics but we're designing prints together based upon the music that i'm creating it's in process and you can follow on on social media each of our channels salome kapelin design and mine liselot ostblum liselot ostblum on instagram and, and so on just how it's developing but it's it's ongoing and evolving in directions which we'll see where it goes we realized that we need to release our tribal clothing first and just kind of see what it is and feel it like actually touch (laughs) and have it on your body and uh, just to take it from there we realized with certain colors, certain things are resonating within the music and where it's going, but it, it's still a bit of a mystery unfolding to us. <laughs> what do you mean by tribal clothing? Yeah, like the the followers, uh, kind of to me, I see that as my tribe. Yeah, the people who are going to be you know, receiving this message of Desert Sea, if it's through the music or if it's through the my stage clothing and those pictures, or if it's through the tribal clothing that you will wear yourself, you will see some bits and pieces and, you know, pop culture, basically, wearing art in a commercial way, like wearing art on your hoodie. But that's the walking message of Desert Sea in spaces. And then we have the visuals that we're going to develop as well, which I think will become some kind of premiere further on. It's not a music video. It's not a film, but it's something that is just the visual and sonic aspect. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah, mystery unfolding. But, you know, we can have so many input how we perceive something. Where is the input coming from? Sound, taste, smell, feel, touch. Just how you feel inside when you look at something, when you hear something. We're trying to do it like an all-compassing, penetrating from all angles kind of thing. So, And eventually it's going to be... Designing the whole experience. That's what it is. It's designing an experience. And at some point in that process, I'm going to release the music with Spotify playlists and blah, 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 all of that. Touring, live with your band, performing. But I think that is like a few further steps down the line. We're, we're setting the framework now. We're building the house. and That's exciting. Yeah. Because I remember you saying that Salome is even designing your stage clothes as well. Yeah, I have them. I have some pants trial 
in my hand right now. It's it's on my chair next to me. Wow. Um, which is so cool. Yeah. And it gives me faith that live music will somehow come back <laughs> also. There's a role still for doing something live and not just from the music from the bedroom out on social media. But it, it will be to find out what clothes suits the message, what clothes, how can they be used, how can they be worn, what's the purpose of clothing. I mean, Salome as a fashion designer is thinking about that all the time. But for me, I've more, okay, what do I feel comfortable in on stage and what do I, you know, enjoy? But it's still been sort of separate from the songs, from what I want to convey with my performance. So it's like next level, be ready, watch this space. <laughs> That's awesome. And we'll put your links to your um instagram and spotify and things in the show notes yeah it's a, it's important because my name is swedish lisa lot i'm always putting that out now and in, in my bio how to pronounce it like lee ze lot lisa lot lisa lot Liz Lot. You need to practice to get it right. And then I have my my last name with the two dots over the O. So I'm a nightmare for PR. But on the other hand, this is who I am and this is my name. So yeah, you we need those links. Cool. Thank you so, so much, Liz a lot. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Annie. It's been so interesting to talk about arts in isolation and an important one I think for the years to come it's not just a temporary lockdown episode we need this for the future years really I'm convinced by that if anything we can be convinced of but this is the new normal Thanks for listening to our conversation today. I hope you found it insightful and inspiring. Be sure to check us out on our Instagram at raid.r underscore underscore to keep up to date with all that we have going on and subscribe to this podcast. We will be publishing new podcasts every Sunday. So make sure you check out next week's show, which will be with the amazing Maddie. You can also find links to Lisa Lott's website, social media, music and merch. So do have a look at those below. Until then, be well, be merry, shine bright, and I will be seeing you very soon.